In college, I studied medieval European history. What? Who does that, right? I actually knew I was going to uh, be a pastor, and I was at a secular university, and so I thought, I'm not going to study religion here. That'll mess me up. So what can I study that uh, will still allow me to kind of think about uh, issues of the church, so medieval European history? And it allowed me to do a lot of uh, study on the church fathers, which I really enjoyed. Well, one of my classes was the Protestant Reformation. Fascinating class. And uh, my professor was uh, the world's leading expert in the medieval family. Uh, he, was a, he was an interesting professor. Did a great job with this class. One particular lecture, though, was uh, especially interesting to me. Uh, and it was his attempt to explain the theology that animated the Reformation, that great doctrine of salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone, the doctrine that uh, Martin Luther saw in the scriptures and uh, began to proclaim and that the other reformers um, were animated by. And so I was super interested to hear this lecture. Because I wondered, you know, is my professor a Christian? And I've got a lot of classmates who aren't Christians, and they're going to get to hear the gospel. I mean, this is amazing. I was super excited. But that lecture left me perplexed, very perplexed. Because although my professor clearly understood the gospel intellectually, like he, the content was right. There was no, I saw no spiritual spark. Uh, and I realized that there's an intellectual understanding, but I think there's a spiritual understanding that he's missing. He understands the content of the good news, but he doesn't seem to see it as good news. Up until then, this, this really did perplex me. And my brother, uh, one of my older brothers, Jim, was in the class with me, and we talked about this. You know, how is it that he, he, he understood the gospel, but it's like he didn't get it? And I shouldn't have been surprised because uh, we're told, talk, this is talked about in, in our uh, text today. But I think at the time, I just assumed that people are not Christians because they lack an, a, a knowledge of the gospel. That if somebody actually heard the gospel and uh, understood it intellectually, that they would, of course, respond. How could you not see the good, uh, the good news as good news for you? Well, it takes more than just uh, human knowledge. It takes a work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in fact, our text today, I think the big idea is that uh, we, we require the help of the Holy Spirit in order to embrace the gospel. The Spirit's witness is critical for spiritual life. So I'm going to read today. From, we're actually backing up. We're ba we've backed up to chapter 2. And today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. Uh, 1 Corinthians was a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church he founded in Corinth, Greece. He was living in Ephesus when he wrote the letter. Uh, he had been visited from some of the members of the church, and they inform Paul of kind of what's going on, uh, some things were concerning, and they had some theological questions. And so Paul writes this letter to uh, correct, instruct, 
an answer. Uh, scholars believe that Paul wrote at, at least three letters to the church in Corinth, two of which are recorded for us in Scripture. Starting in verse 6 of chapter 2. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Uh, immediately before this, Paul reminds the Corinthians that when he came to Corinth, uh, he, in, he purposely refrained from using lofty words and intellectual arguments. He, he was a great scholar, studied under Gamaliel, the, the great Jewish scholar. Paul was an, a, a massive intellect. And he knew, I can wow these people with my, um, my philosophical highbrow arguments and, and, and very possibly convince people to... Uh, make this Christian uh, philosophy their worldview. But Paul said, I don't want to do that. Uh, I want to make sure that, that people's faith is rooted in the power of God, not in my eloquent speech. And so he said, I purpose to just give you the, the simple gospel. I proclaimed Christ and him crucified just the basic gospel that God loves us enough that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to live the righteous life we can't live and then to die upon the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And that when we repent of our sin and put our faith in God's son, then our sins are taken away as far as the east is from the west. They're remembered no more. The spirit of the living God comes and indwells us, empowers us for living. And when we die, the same spirit that brought Christ from the dead will bring us forth from the grave and we will live with God forever in heaven. The good news. And he said, it's simple. I gave it to you simple. That way you know that your faith rests not in my wisdom and great rhetoric, but rather in the power of God, which means the spirit's uh, witness to you. The Holy Spirit took the simple gospel and convinced people that their lives could be different, and he changed them. So here we go. Yet, among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Why is it secret and hidden? Uh, because no one knows the thoughts of God and the purposes of God and the heart of God but God himself. And he kept that from humanity until Jesus Christ had come. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have killed Jesus if they understood who Jesus was, the Son of God and what he was doing, saving humanity from the curse, the power of sin and death. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this 
in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So this text sets forth three ways that, the, that we depend upon the Spirit for understanding of the gospel. Or three ways the Holy Spirit helps us uh, accept, appreciate, apply the gospel. And the first is this. The Holy Spirit taught the gospel to the apostles using precise words to express its content and significance. There's a lot of truth that humans can uh, discover through uh, human reasoning and uh, examination of the natural world. Lots of truth we can uh, uh, uncover, and we have. But there are some things we could never know if God did not reveal them to us with kind of special revelation. And what is that? Well, in verse 9 it says, As it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. So, no eye or ear. In other words, uh, no one has, it's not available to us in the natural, natural world. We can't uncover it through scientific method. Nor the heart of man imagined. We can't discover it through human reasoning. What God has prepared for those who love him. We can't know the purposes of God. We can't know the plan of God. We can't know God's heart. We can't know God's thoughts unless God reveals them to us. And that's what Paul says. For who knows, verse 11, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The Spirit of God reveals to us the thoughts of God, the heart of God, the plan of God. And otherwise we would not know. Right? Jesus would have come and lived and died and, and risen and gone back to the Father and we wouldn't have had a clue what that all meant. But the Holy Spirit taught the apostles the content of the gospel and the significance of the gospel. We are dependent, 100% dependent on the work of the, of the Holy Spirit for uh, our spiritual life. The apostles, who are they? They're the 12 men that Jesus uh, called to follow him. Uh, they lived with him for three years while he walked the earth. Uh, one of them betrayed him, uh, uh, Judas Iscariot, and then uh, was replaced. he was replaced. And then Paul was the final apostle as one untimely born. And the Holy Spirit um, taught the apostles the gospel and the, and the significance of the gospel. And then that was written down for us in the Bible. And 
But here's the deal. Let me challenge you. If you're, if you're one of those people who says, uh, I will only acknowledge truth that I can deduce myself with my own reasoning or truth that can be validated with the scientific method, if you limit your knowledge to that realm, God says you're, you're missing out. <laughs> that cannot teach you about my good heart for you and about all the good things that I have for you. God wants us to know that he's got things freely given to us. He has life everlasting. He wants a personal relationship with us. He's made that possible through Jesus. We have this incredible future ahead of us. And none of that knowledge, which is the most important knowledge, the most life-transforming, the most future-shaping knowledge in the world, if you maintain a humanistic point of view and say, no, nope, if I can't you know, reason it out myself, if I can't see it in the world, that's the only thing I'm going to believe. You're going to miss out on all that. There is a God who has a good plan for you. And by his spirit, he has revealed that good plan. But we have to have a humble heart and say, I will receive it as truth and base my life upon it. Let me focus on this uh, second part of the statement. The Holy Spirit taught the gospel to the apostles using precise words to express its content and significance. Verse 13, and we impart this. Who's the we? Well, it's the apostles, and then they entrusted it to the church, so it's the Christian church. We impart this. In words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Do you know that the words of the Bible matter? Words correspond to reality. Words are important. Uh, and the Holy Spirit chose the words that the New Testament uses to describe the spiritual realities. Now, I, I have encountered Christians who want to freshen up the gospel by using a little, you know, let's use uh, fresher, more modern words to describe the gospel. We don't want to talk about sin because sin's, ugh, you know, that's kind of a tainted word, right? That, that makes people uncomfortable. So we'll talk about brokenness. And the world is broken, and I use brokenness sometimes, but Here's the deal. The Spirit of God chose the, the words that are recorded in the New Testament to describe spiritual realities. They are the most precise words. They are the correct words. And whenever we deviate from them, something gets lost in our, in our uh, proclamation of the gospel and our understanding of the gospel. So we need to... Uh, we need to stick to the biblical words. Now, obviously, we have English translations of the original Greek and Hebrew. And let me, here's another implication. Uh, learn the biblical lingo. You benefit spiritually whenever you learn a definition of a biblical word. 
because it will open your eyes up to a spiritual reality. So, for example, the word grace. We throw it around all the time, right? We read it in the scriptures. We sing about the grace of God. We talk about the grace of God. Do we know what that really means? The more, when, when, you, when you learn definitions of, of spiritual words, man, it just opens your eyes to, uh, to the, uh, gives you greater clarity and greater understanding of God's good purposes. So grace has two meanings, depending on the context. Number one, grace can mean the unmerited favor of God. That God favors me, although I don't deserve it. God lavishes his love and his gifts upon me, and I don't, so often, I just don't deserve them, right? The grace of God, we're 100% dependent on the grace of God. We can't earn it. God is just, you know, he, he just, his love is unconditional, undeserved. It flows out of his grace. And that's awesome. That, that, when you understand that, it opens up an understanding of, of God and, and, and an aspect of the gospel that is so freeing and liberating and beautiful. Well, there's another meaning of the word gospel, and that is divine empowerment. And so sometimes when we're talking about, uh, I need God's grace, we're saying, I need God to divinely empower me to do his will, to say no to temptation, to love uh, the stranger, to turn the other cheek, Right? And so I really encourage you to um, do the hard work of, of learning the meaning of biblical words. Learn the biblical lingo. And it will expand your understanding of the gospel and God's good, uh, good plan for you. The, good, the gifts that he has given us. Here's the second way. The Holy Spirit uh, helps us embrace the gospel. Here it is. The Holy Spirit enables people to see the gospel as good news. Uh, my friend Adam, we worked together for a year in Boston, uh, and we played a lot of bridge together. But I never told, I never had, and he knew I was a Christian, and, and I would share uh, aspects, you know, about my faith in Christ, but I had never given him a clear presentation of the gospel. And I was moving back to Alaska. And I purposed in my heart, before I leave, I'm going to make sure Adam has heard the gospel, has a, a fair shot at the gospel. And so we were driving one day, and I said, hey, Adam, you, you know that my faith in Jesus is important to me. You know, I'm actually going to be a pastor. And uh, so I don't want to leave without having clearly told you uh, the gospel story. May I do that? And Adam said, no. Uh, so then I changed tactics, and I said, Adam, you are an intelligent, educated guy, but Christianity is like the, the biggest religion in the world, and the gospel message has had probably the greatest impact on uh, Western culture, and how can you consider yourself fully educated if you haven't, you know, if you don't know the gospel? He goes, all right, go ahead. <laughs> so sometimes you got to, you know, be persistent. So I gave him the gospel, and I had him in the car for, you know, a half hour. So uh, I was able to be thorough. He had, if he were listening, he had a thorough uh, intellectual understanding of the gospel. And we, when we got done, I, I asked, so Adam, would you like to become a Christian? No, <laughs> I'm not interested. 
did I flub the telling? Ah, I missed that point. If I had just gotten that point out, or if I had said that a little differently, man, then he would have responded. Well, here's what verse 14 says. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Who's a natural person? A person not indwelt by the Spirit, the non-Christian. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So I have a little chart here. When someone, like Adam, rejects the gospel, they reject it because they have decided or uh, appraised the gospel as folly. That's dumb. And why have they concluded? Because they don't, they're not aware of their need of a savior. They don't consider themselves sinful. They don't consider themselves under the wrath of God. They don't fear for uh, hell as their destiny. They fail to recognize their need for Jesus. Therefore, the gospel is not appraised as good news. And, be, and, and behind that is they lack the, the witness of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is not opening their eyes to the goodness of the gospel. So we are dependent. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit. For somebody to come to Christ, the Spirit of God has to take the scales off their eyes. The Spirit of God has to help them see, discern uh, that the gospel is good news for me. That's a work of the Spirit. That, that is a work of the Spirit, which means do not neglect prayer when you're sharing the gospel. Your number one uh, possible, or your, your, the best thing you can do is pray for people when you want them to come to Christ. Because it, the Spirit of God has to open their eyes to the goodness of God. It has to help them see the gospel is good news for me. And don't give up praying. Sometimes it takes years and years and years, right? And we, I, I, we get discouraged. I have absolutely stopped praying. Uh, and then the Lord answers my prayer after I've given up. That, is always a, that always chastises me, right? I have decided this person's heart's hardened. They're never going to change. And right after I stop praying, then the Lord moves in their heart. I think, hey. So pray for your friends. Uh, do share the gospel. The Bible says, how can they believe if they haven't heard, right? So we use words, but we pray uh, and, and, the, and ask the Lord to be merciful and gracious in, in our friends' lives and open their eyes to the gospel so that they can see it as good news. And then finally, the Holy Spirit helps Christians see the implications of the gospel for all of life. And I think that's what verse 15 and, verses 15 and 16 mean. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who's the spiritual person? The person indwelt with the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, you are indwelt with the Spirit of God. You have the mind of Christ. The Spirit does not live dormant in us. The Spirit of God is a person. 
and the Spirit of God interacts with us, right? The mind of Christ interacts with, with our minds. And uh, the Spirit is uh, constantly talking to us. Now, it doesn't sound, at least in my head, doesn't sound, you know, it sounds like Mike. Uh, it, no different octave. So how do I know it's the Spirit of God? Well, because it resonates with the Word of God. And I recognize that's, that's righteous thinking. That's uh, a God-honoring thought. That's a good desire. That's in harmony with the, with the, um, the character of God as revealed in the Scripture. We have the mind of Christ. But the Bible also says that we can quench the Spirit and we can grieve the Spirit and we can disobey. Uh, I think of James, if any man lacks wisdom, let, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. But when he asks, let him not be a double-minded man like a stick tossed about on the waves, but let him have faith. In other words, you say, God, I want to know what your best is in this situation. And God will, God will uh, tell you. And then what you don't do is go, yeah, 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 not that one. Could we have a different plan, right? Who, how many of us have done that? Uh, let's, let's, let's go to plan B, Lord. And no, if, he's, if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you, but then you need to follow through. And so we have the mind of Christ because the Spirit of God resides in us, uh, which is an unbelievable privilege. And if we, will, uh, if we will listen, if we'll ask and then listen and obey, our thinking will be formed and shaped. And God will lead us down uh, paths that the non-Christian looks at and, and will probably judge as stupid. Well, that's dumb. That can't lead you to life. I certainly wouldn't do it that way, but they're not in any position to judge because you're following the lead of the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. And I want that to be more, I want that to be true, actually true of me more and more so that my thinking, my desires, my values, my aspirations are increasingly in sync with the Spirit of God. And there's beauty in that. There's life in that. And that's available to us. And in Romans, we're told, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we're told, uh, don't, don't be conformed to the world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Bathe your mind in Scripture. What you're doing is you're giving the Spirit uh, more words to use when interacting with your mind. Does that make sense? The more you know Scripture, uh, the, the easier it is, I think, for the Spirit to bring to mind truth and interact with you. Boom, a, a verse comes to mind. Uh, a story from the Bible comes to mind. And he's just, the Spirit of God's constantly connecting it. And you're thinking, I probably shouldn't respond in anger because 
the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, right? Uh, he who guards his tongue is, is stronger than the one who is in a big tower. And, and so the more you know Scripture, the more ammunition the Spirit has to be interacting with your mind and guiding you. Does that make sense? We have, this is an, do you, do you recognize the game changer to be indwelt with the Spirit of God and have the mind of Christ the spirit engaging with your mind. Every relationship you have. How, how do I respond to my children? How do I respond to my uh, supervisor? How do I res- uh, interact with my coworkers? Right now, Sabrina and I are, are trying to make it a, a, a decision about a big investment. As Christians, it's not just a, a, a numbers decision. It's not just a financial decision. There's a lot more there. Everything we do is ultimately a spiritual decision. We're stewards of your resources. And what's the time implication here? Is this the way you want us to? Do you really want us to tie ourselves to that? We have the mind of of, of Christ because we have the spirit of God. Let's not squander that, right? Let's not squander that. So, As Christians, what a glorious truth. We are indwelt with the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God um, helps us take the gospel and and then apply it to every aspect of life. Uh, If you're not a Christian, then I just encourage you to um, recognize that you need the Spirit's help. And I encourage you to ask, God, if this is true, if the gospel is true, would you help me see it? And if that prayer is prayed in faith and sincerity, God's going to honor that. that. That's a humble request that lines up with his clear revealed will, right? Let's thank the Lord for the Spirit. God, you are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Spirit, you mediate to us the presence of Christ. And we are 100% dependent upon you for all uh, spiritual insight. And Lord, we do not want to make the mistake of um, marching through life without taking advantage of your incredible comfort and wisdom uh, and truth application. And so we recommit ourselves to turning to you in faith. And Lord, we also commit ourselves to obeying as you reveal to us the will of God. Then empower us to to obey. We want the mind of Christ to be our mind day by day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.